Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. We wanted to take a moment to thank you for your continued support over the years. It's hard to believe that we've been having weekly in-depth discussions about movies since 2011. That's right, 12 years and counting. Producing this show is a labor of love for us, but it does require a lot of time and effort each week. If you enjoy our podcast and would love to help keep it going, there are some easy ways you can show your support. One is by using our Originals page to shop for the original source material that movies we've discussed were based on. That's right. In season one alone, we covered 13 films adapted from books or plays, from Charlie Kaufman's adaptation to David Fincher adaptations like Fight Club. In season two, we covered even more, like Powell and Pressburger's The Red Shoes and The African Queen from our series about legendary cinematographer Jack Cardiff. We can't forget about the four Jason Bourne movies we talked about. Love those movies. Well, the original trilogy, at least. <laughs> for our Richard D. Zanuck series, we did Jaws, Rush, Big Fish, and more. And for our horror series, we talked about John Carpenter's The Thing, which was adapted from Who Goes There? We did our first great car chase series with movies like Bullet, The French Connection, and Drive. And for the holidays, we did Preston Sturgis's Christmas in July. We had a great John Huston series with adaptations like The Maltese Falcon and The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. And for our baseball series, Moneyball with Brad Pitt. Have I told you lately how much I love that movie? Uh, yeah, I think you have. Plus, our Magician series and Heist film series had adaptations as well. Tons of page-to-screen gems. Listeners can find the details and links to the original material at thenextreel.com slash originals. Every book, play, or movie you buy through our links helps support the show, and it's no extra cost to you. So dive in and get your next read today. Thenextreel.com slash originals has all the films adapted from other sources that not only we have covered, but all of the shows on the Next Real family of podcasts. Check it out and get reading. Support the show and build your reading list. It's a win-win. Head to thenextreel.com slash originals. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. 
in just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. It took us a while to settle into the show's format, so you'll notice some differences as you listen to these episodes. For instance, it takes us a bit of time to actually get into the conversation about the movie. Things like that. But we're still proud of the conversations about the movies themselves, and we think they're worth keeping in the library. So enjoy these episodes from our back catalog. And you can become part of our Discord community, learn more about the show, and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com. So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. Okay, the, before we start, I want to make sure I say this because uh, I'm going to forget on the 26th. Friday the 26th, that's next week, Cloud Atlas opens, we've been talking about this for a long time, so we're going to be doing a film board, uh, we're going to get everybody together, we're going to talk about uh, Cloud Atlas on the 27th, Saturday evening, uh, usual thing, uh, I think we start around uh, 8.30, 8, 8.30 uh, Pacific time, I'm going to say 8.30, we're going to start at 8.30 Pacific time, uh, so if you can meet us, uh, join us for the Cloud Atlas discussion, we sure would love to uh, have you there. Now, what do you want to talk about? Frankenvini. <laughs> Frankenvini. Did you did you see it? it? Did you see it by yourself? I know you saw it by yourself. You I raced did. out for a midnight show of Frankenvini. All by my very own self. Did you really? You did not. Tell me you didn't. I did. No, I I took my kid. Of course. I find your lack of wait. <laughs> Find your that's gonna stick. That's gonna stick with you. Very... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. So, what did you think of uh, uh, Frank and Weenie? I thought it looked dumb. You know, Olivia was entertained. I mean, right. I, here are things I like about it. What? I'll, I'll give you the 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 my scale of justice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the scale. Wow. <laughs> A In little, a little proud of our rating system, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> That's the new rating system. It's the scale of justice. You, you have the two hands, and the good goes in one side, the bad goes in the other, and you see where you come out. <laughs> Forget Rotten Tomatoes. We got our own system over here. It's much better. <laughs> okay, so they they did it all black and white, which I really enjoyed. And actually, my daughter totally didn't even. It didn't even phase her that it was all black and white. So so that was nice. <laughs> so they've got that going for And by the time she's 15, you'll realize she's been colorblind all this time. <laughs> she loves black and white movies. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's horrible. I shouldn't say that. Go ahead. Oh, you're terrible. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. Hey, hey it's not my kid. Wait, what? <laughs> Oh man! So anyway, mm-hmm. saying... <laughs> um, it it had a lot of quirky stuff going on and a lot of references to old horror movies. Interesting character design. You know, it's very Tim Burton esque in that sense, and I enjoyed that element of it. Um, the story itself was kind of silly, and and the whole they really, to me, seemed to have to stretch out the the concept of how this dog how this boy was able to bring his dog back to life so that they could end up creating all these other monsters later in the film. And that was, for me, completely nonsensical. My daughter really enjoyed all the other monsters because they, the, the actual monsters themselves are fairly funny. But 
the um, just the, the the story work done by our friend. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name now. <laughs> Old what's his name who wrote the script? I'm it's, not even looking it up. That's how much I really. I, I got it. <laughs> he's not my friend, and you have just totally made. Sorry, big up. fish, big fish guy. Uh, why am I blanking? Oh on his no, name? I do like him. Oh, well, man. yeah, that was the one movie that he did that was good. Remember John That's, August? Yeah, John August. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. That was, that was his one good movie, and I'd say I like I like that one movie and his blog. I don't like his blog. Ah, <sighs> you I and I are just not on the I, same page today. He's he's a cranky man. He's grumpy and not fun to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Frank and Weenie, it's you know, it's well designed, like every Tim Burton movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh and my daughter enjoyed it, so Well so, I, am... I I'm not sure where my scales of justice ended. I, I think you know, looking at it versus sitting through and watching it all over again, I, I'd say that uh, the the scales of justice for me ended with the negatives being a little stronger than the positives. Okay, all right, that's fair. All right, what else did you see this week? You saw the one we were supposed to do. We were originally planning to do this as a film board. You saw uh, Argo. I did see Argo. Would it? Have, would it? It would have been worth doing a film board, wouldn't it? It would have been. It really would have been because it was a uh, just a fantastic film. Ben Affleck really is just <laughs> really a great director. I tell you, three for three, I'd say. So wow. um, well worth checking out. Solid performances all around. Good balance of the the kind of the uh, suspense political thriller with some of the uh, lighter comedic moments on the Hollywood side of things with Alan Arkin and Jod Goodman and. You know, just really, just a solid film right. in every way. So definitely check that out. Excellent. That you know, it's high on the list. I did not see uh, Argo this week, nor did I see Seven Psychopaths, and I regret both of those. However, <laughs> man, I got full on Liamed this week. <laughs> I caught up on Taken Two, and how <laughs> that dude kills every damn thing. In that movie, he kills everything. Yeah, everything that was once alive gets first beat up and then killed. <laughs> it was a lot of killing, uh, and a lot of taking. And then in some cases, uh, the same person actually gets taken multiple times. And so there is room, I think, if you were gonna, you know, do the math to actually you know, do that sort of complex calculus to get to to the number that it was, was actually taken, but it was a lot more than two <laughs> uh, of the taking. And he had a fantastic little cell phone that he kept in his sock, and that was another real highlight of the movie. So do you think that they, they should have instead pulled a Teen Wolf 2, and they should have called it Taken 2, T-O-O? <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, man, did you just make that joke up? I sure did. Oh, that's funny because it's so true. That's why it's funny because everybody also gets taken. That's why that's funny. <laughs> Liam gets taken this time, and that makes it even funnier because it's like, oh, the first one was my daughter was taken. She was just taken. This time, oh, I was taken, comma, two. There you go. Right? Ah, <laughs> oh, Andy. <sighs> 
Uh, every, yeah. So uh, let me tell you. That, so my impression of Liam Neeson, he's you know for he's he's uh, uh, it's like watching my dad kick ass, right? <laughs> okay. Like wow. I, this is what I imagine my dad. He would look cool and he would totally kick ass. And in like normal kind of, uh, he's just kind of awkward being a normal guy. Like, he is so good at kicking ass as kind of a dad that when he's having a barbecue and just trying to drink some beers, he looks really funny. Uh, <laughs> he's kind of hard to watch. It's sort of painful. Like, why Why are you guys friends with this guy? Because he's not a lot of fun to be with. But, man, does he kill people well. That is funny. Yeah. So, anyway, that was, uh, it was, it, yeah, I can't, I, you know, in terms of the, the scale of the Mighty Hammer of Vengeance, uh it was you know it was okay yeah it was okay i wish i had seen the other two movies even more as a result but the other one that i saw this week uh that i picked up uh on the old rental box was the thing 2011 oh yeah so what was your thought on that it was weird it was it was weird because they it was i i, I don't know how I, to characterize it it was a prequel and a remake. Did you feel that way? It, yeah, it, it was kind of that way. It was it really like was. the exact same movie. So is it a pre-make? Pre- what would you call that? Pre- pre-cake? A pre- pre-make? Pre- pre- pre-make? A make-will? Make-will. Make-will. It was a make-will. Requel. It was not... Uh, the the problem I had with it was that it it was not a bad movie. Like, it was... Uh, if you kind of got rid of the fact that there was a the thing... Uh, then I I don't really have a problem with it. It was it was pretty good, uh, but man, it's a movie that just didn't need to be made. Yeah, I think they did it already, and they did an admirable job of it. And frankly, the alien, which is sort of the you know what you tune in for, wasn't really worth it. Well, and I think a lot of that has to do with the 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 fact that it was digital effects rather than Rob Bottin's fantastic physical effects. Yeah. Yeah, personally, that's my opinion. But. They t- they tried to do the head thing upside down with the spider legs. They tried to make that a little bit better, but it just didn't. It didn't. It didn't take. Uh, yeah. I I did. Um, I I liked uh, what's her name, the main actress. Don't even, it was uh, I can't remember her name. Uh, but it was a, a a fine a fine take on a movie that didn't actually need to be made in the first place. So that was what I saw. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and then once you've seen it, it's kind of forgettable, and you can dismiss it, and not have to worry about using that in the the universe of the thing to put yourself into the the place of watching the 1982 version. Yeah, and you know, I I the, the on the my take on the the end was man, they just they just failed it. I that that part I thought in particular was really sad. Yeah. With the dog running across, I mean the the fact that I could actually cut these movies together pretty seamlessly um, made me sad, and and it made me appreciate Prometheus even more. I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> as it as it turns out, I'm not a fan of the literal prequel. I l- right. prefer the thematic. I think. Well, and it's not just a literal prequel. I mean, it's it's like literally knocking on the doorsteps. You know. From one scene to the next, like you said, cut the two together and it's yeah. it's one long film. Yeah. So that's yeah. where that was my take on the thing. Just to close that to close that loop. And I also didn't there's just a, a last thought on that. I didn't like that they just named it the thing again. 
that bug, it bugs me the whole time. You know why it bugs me in particular? Because when I drop it in iTunes, it renames itself to the thing-1.m4v. Because <laughs> there's already a the thing in there. It screws up my naming convention. It doesn't work. Uh, okay. Shall we, so, move, shall we move on? Shall we? I'd like to. Let's. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. <laughs> it's dead-ish. Dot, dot com. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're still in our... It, it's still Halloween month. Uh, we are thrilled to be uh, still in Halloween month, and we are continuing our uh, nearly endless series of uh, our favorite horror movies, and this is uh, my second favorite... Uh, well, second favorite this month uh, zombie movie. Uh, Dawn of the Dead, the 2004 Zack Snyder version of this film. Mm-hmm. So, how do you want to start? This is your pick. You know, I, I, it's funny. I, it, so we're following up. So the first, uh, first was, uh, last week we did 28 Days Later, right? And we, uh, we, t- I, I think the conversation was interesting as I went back and listened to it because of it just sort of uncovers for me all of the kind of wonderful cultural lessons that are buried in that movie. And and so I, I like it so much for what it is on many layers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and so when I, I, it may, you could say it was a mistake that I, <laughs> that we watched these movies back to back. Right. I, I mean, I, I don't, I think that's fair. I am, I am perfectly willing to open my eyes very wide and actually take in and, and absorb what I'm seeing because my my first reaction was I really still very much like uh, Dawn of the Dead 2004, uh, but I like it for what it is not, right? Okay. You, you sort of have to to peel it back and realize that this is this is not so much uh, uh, a, a take on our uh, sort of inner inner cultural uh, uh, motivations. It is not. Uh, it, it really is just a a bang up horror movie and right. uh and so it's if you stay on the surface uh it is a quite an enjoyable romp through a mall and it satisfies a lot of very um sort of uh juvenile desires that i have had and i think we've talked about one of them which is being locked in a mall or a big box store with roller skates overnight um and I wanted to do that very badly, probably until 2004, when I saw this movie and realized that, there, in fact, I could be locked in there and <laughs> surrounded by zombies. That's right. That's so, right. I uh, thought you were going to say something much worse. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What was? What were you wanting to do?" In your no. Childhood? What? What are you? What? Tell me <laughs> what you thought that was going to be, because it, then I said we've talked about it before. What have we talked about before that is worse than being no, locked you, in a mall? You said you said one of which we've talked about before. Oh. <laughs> There's a litany of other things I'd like to do that remind me of this movie. Is that yeah, what you're there's, saying? There's Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Pick him off. <laughs> oh, my. So, okay. So that that's my initial take on this movie. I still very much like it, and I enjoyed watching it, and there are parts of it that still spook me out. Uh, and I'm very, I'm very interested to hear kind of your take on it. Um, and, and I think in... Um, it, particularly in the context of where it is in Zack Snyder's uh, catalog, I find that interesting. So, go ahead. What do you think? Yeah, it's. I mean, when when we were picking these, I I was I I think more surprised that you picked this rather than Twenty Eight Days Later. 
Wait, only what? because you're if more I excited. Dawn really? Dead, I would have picked the 78 version. Oh, okay, that's good. That that being said, I completely enjoy this film. I think it's a, a fantastic, like you said, romp through them all. <laughs> it's it's a very fun, scary movie, and it's it it isn't really trying to do much more like the original one was. Um, but that being said, I mean, it still creeps me out. I mean, there's there's so many scenes in this that just are are disturbing and creepy and they still make you jump. And I think Zack Snyder knows how to make a, a solid film from beginning to end. And I think he he nails it with this as his directorial debut. Uh, and I I really do enjoy this film. And I am glad that you picked it. It, it is fun to see right after 28 Days Later to watch this one and, and see that the zombie progress and how things had changed. But um, oddly enough, George Romero didn't like that at all. Well, that was, I was just going to say that. So that was one of those things that, um, you know, we had already sort, uh, you know, that, that, gosh, let's see. So when it, when did 28 days later come out again? Uh, that was in, we just talked about it. that two ish. Yeah. Okay. That was two. That was right. It was, it was yeah, 2002. It was released 2000, no, 2002, in 2003, 2002 and 2003. And that was the movie. I, I think we, we decided that that changed the dynamic of the mindless zombie hordes being fast. Yeah. Because it was really George Romero that, that capitalized on mindless zombie hordes being slow. Exactly. And uh, in this movie, I, I think that becomes more of an issue because we have Zack Snyder actually taking, you know, IP from uh, Romero and changing a fundamental characteristic of the evildoer, right? The the, yeah. the giant zombie horde. Uh, that is, uh, I, I think if I, you know, if we look at what Romero was going for, it was the... Um, there is something really menacing about the slowness of it, right? And about yeah. the, as the virus starts to spread and it, it kind of leaves the slums, right? And the the kind of, it, it starts in that uh, kind of flop house uh, uh, giant apartment uh, in Dawn of the Dead, the 78 version. Uh, after the news station. Yeah, yeah, yeah after the news station the falls news apart. Station, right. uh, and so we, you know, that <laughs> that's one of the... Uh, you know, really interesting things because you think, okay, there are those three zombies there and they really kind of have their run of the place and those police really should have moved faster. And so you're kind of left with that thought that the swarm mentality, no matter how slow it is, what is so terrifying uh, about the 78 Dawn of the Dead is that it is inescapable, right? right? And so Snyder's zombies... Uh, I think largely likely capitalizing on the 28 days later zombie evolution, uh, remove what was a key element of the terror in the first movie. Well, yeah. And, and another element that I think was key in the first movie is that it was the dead were coming to life. It was anyone who was like, I think it said recently deceased or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And I know that's kind of a, kind of a bit loosey goosey as far as determining who was actually going to be rising and who wasn't. But anyone, like if you die, it's of natural causes after that point, it's likely that in a few minutes you're going to open your eyes and, and become one of the walking dead. Right. 
because as they as they say, you know, when when hell the doors to hell are flooded or the whatever, will, you know, the, the dead, dead will walk, walk the earth, earth, something yeah. like that. And in this film, they it's almost like they tried establishing rules for the, for the zombie creation and in some of that it's 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 like the midichlorians it kind of takes some of the the power exactly. out of it because all of a sudden it's like oh no it's the bite the bite's what does it and uh, so there's the one lady who gets killed in the gunfight and they're not worried about her coming back because she hadn't been bitten she just died in a gun gunfight right and it does kind of take some of that out and you know it's you know it, it i don't know in my mind that's Zack Snyder and his his team just kind of it it seemed like they really wanted to make a fun movie, but they weren't so concerned about trying to do anything outside of just fun. You you mean in terms of pushing the lore? Yeah, I mean, I, well, yeah, I mean, I, lore aside, right? I, but as far as creating a fun movie or creating something that's trying to say something about society, like the original Dawn of the Dead. And talking about you know you know people and it, all the scenes of the zombies just kind of walking through the malls and kind of creating this yeah. this vision of of you know what we have become as a society. Um, it, it's doing it's saying something a little more. This one, it's not really trying to say anything. Like when you see them at the mall, it's not really saying anything. It's just it's just kind of them in the mall. Y yeah. Yeah, uh, right. Like there is no, um, no, I see what you mean. And I think that's another area where the, the 2004 movie falls apart um, in particular is uh, the number of characters that we need to keep up with. In the 78, you know, there were really four, right, that we cared right. about. And in uh, in 2000, uh, 2004, in Snyder's version, there are like 27 that's a lot. They just keep this one. keep coming, and I, you know, who do we really care about? Ving Rhames and Mikai, baby. Those are the people we want to keep. Even Anna, the nurse, is somebody who could really, you know, she could go. I want Mikai Pfeiffer to stick around. I was upset when he when he had his problem. That was a good scene. That was yeah. pretty spooky. Uh, but but the uh, um, so there it was just a lot of sort of character confusion. I think that that makes that the the whole sort of mall experience less scary yeah yeah because you have you expand the characters so to such a number that by default you have to end up creating more caricature type of characters just so you can quickly establish who they are right you know and and in in some of that it loses some uh some power with right. us really feeling like we have a stake with any anyway. well that's an interesting point so talk talk more about the the sort of role of the caricature character and i'm I, you know i'm thinking in particular of of uh phil dunphy phil dunphy yeah you know he's, he's the modern anytime, family guy anytime you have a character that is um just brought on board to be a um, just kind of, you know, like I said, a caricature character. It's just somebody who is going to be like the typical character. Like I was thinking, um, uh, I believe it was, uh, uh, was it Ty Burrell, right? The, uh, the boat owner. Right, right. Ty Burrell. And he's, he's that, that's, uh, Phil Dunphy is his character on Modern Family. And I, he's become mm. that. So, gotcha. Uh, anyway, uh, Ty yeah, Burrell, that's but, right. But and his, um, yeah, he's just, he instantly is the arrogant, like rich business businessy sort of executive type of guy. 
And he plays that arrogance every scene that he's in. And it's funny and it works and it makes you laugh and you don't like him and you can't wait to see Anna, the nurse, uh, you know, plug him with a right. bullet at the end. But there's nothing more to him than that. There's nothing. You know, even mm-hmm. when we see the shots of him at the end, it's only to est- in the in the videotapes they find on his boat. It's only to establish more of what sort of caricature they're pulling, and it it just I mean it's fun and it works. But after multiple viewings, you lose interest in that character because he is just a cardboard cutout. He's he's a stock character that we've all seen a million times in a million other movies, right. and it's just not as fun to watch. And so. That's why the original, you have a lot more interesting stuff going on with the couple and their relationship, and she's pregnant, and and the tension between the different characters, and it, it creates a much more interesting story among those characters and their life in the mall and everything like that. Here we have so many characters that it's it's just, you lose track of them. It is, it, it, you know, to that point of Ty Burrell's role, and I think, you know, to some extent, the, uh, you know, man, is it... Uh, uh, what's her name? The blonde Monica, Kim, Kim Poirier. Um, she, you know, when they introduce that second round from the truck, uh, yeah. they, they introduce more of those sort of, uh, you know, those, um, um, sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. You, know, you know, those sort of off the charts kind of caricatures and, uh, in fact, I think that detracts from your ability to see what the underlying story really is. And there is an interesting underlying story here that is different from, um, you know, the the nature of the slow kind of swarm. It, it is there. There is something to being trapped in a mall as the last of the civilization. And I think that's one of those things that 28 Days sort of capitalizes on the small cast uh, and their experiences just going from being trapped to being trapped. And here we have, you know, this opportunity to see, to kind of play with uh, as as a, a thought experiment, what it's like to have these people trapped in this space and in their security over the course of the m- month that they're in the mall together, you know, sort of they, they feel sort of safe and, and they're fine. They're taken care of. All the gates are down. They have enough food for the time being. And yet at the same time, the threat continues to grow outside. And, and I think that it just gets so, the, the cast just gets so cumbersome over the course of, of, uh, you know, that sort of 45 minutes that that plays out, uh, that it's hard to feel the sense of, of impending doom that is rising every time they cut to the roof. Uh, and, and you see just how many more zombies are out there than there were before. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, I just, I feel like I'm, yeah, I'm vamping no, no, a little bit. Totally, it totally makes sense. Yeah. The, uh, and it's those moments that you do start latching onto. And honestly, the characters that you most latch onto are the original characters that right. we meet. Anna, the nurse, Kenneth, uh, the cop, um, Michael, the Best Buy TV salesman, Andre, Mickey Pfeiffer's character, or Mikai, Mikai Pfeiffer's character, um, and, um, the, uh, and Andy, yeah. the, uh, the guy on the roof across the way. For me, those are the characters that, oh, and then I should say, um, Ina Korob, Korobkina. Yes. The, the Russian wife. Um, I, I think the relationship between her and Mikai is a very interesting relationship. And those are the characters I latch onto. They have a little more depth going on, and I kind of like what's going on there. I'm interested in those people more. And if you left it with just those characters, and you didn't throw in 
all these other characters, including the security guards. I mean, again, I, I feel like it's there's it creates some interesting tension there, but it also just kind of detracts from us being able to focus on those main characters. The tension is so short lived, like you just run it runs its course in the elevator when we meet them. At the end of that, you want them to just get back to, you know, figuring out how to live together. And I think it just adds an extra layer of kind of complication or complexity to the the evolving relationships that may have been unnecessary. Yeah. Um, but if, at least for my enjoyment. But I think you're spot on with that relationship with Andy. I think we have an interesting relationship with Andy as the viewers uh, because we don't hear him speak for so long. And when we do hear him, it's uh, it, it's really his last words. Yeah, which is, it's horribly tragic. It really is. It is really tragic. I think they, that was just great because they, you know, what they allow us to do is just build such a close relationship with him uh, to see just how alone he is and and never get any of his perspective, any of his POV um, that, uh, you know, when you see him smashing himself up against the door as he's trying to get into the closet for that first time close up yeah. and they have to kill him, it's, it, it is made that much more kind of real so to speak. Yeah, and that's, I think, one of the only moments, if not the only moment, where we really have to kill a character that we've kind of connected with who is turned, other than the wife, I guess, the the Russian wife in bed, um, you know, which it, it, it is its own scene, but I think that one plays in a much more disturbing way. But the mm-hmm. one with Andy is just a rough one because we've been with that guy, you know, we've been rooting for him to make it, and then we find out he gets bit, and it's just, it's so tragic. I would add to that the death of uh, Luis Ferreira, um, Luis oh, yeah. Ferreira. Well, right? he, we don't ever see him die. Oh, yeah, we see him zombie. Well, we, we see him we see him die, I guess, but we don't see him die. Yeah, that's true. Okay. All right. I mean, seriously, I that we, we have to talk about that opening sequence, right? Yeah. That opening sequence, I think, is one of the most most exhilarating, powerful chases, like terrifying chases, uh, uh, that that I've I've seen in these movies because it happens so fast. First of all, yeah. it's a violation of a child by a you know, and sort of by a child, right? Yeah. Uh, when the 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 little girl is standing in the doorway, they've all they're she's just waking up slowly, and the little girl, I mean, what is she? Eight, seven, ten, like ten, ten ish. I mean, she's I don't know. Probably no Seven. older than your daughter. No, she's older than. <laughs> Goodness gracious! <laughs> they can turn at any time. <laughs> I'm just saying, watch out. That's right. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, and so she. That's that's okay. She's she's tied up in her bedroom right now. She's not going to get me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and child protective services. Woo! We'll be heading to <laughs> <On> that note. <laughs> Uh, okay, the, so uh, that's all right. You're, I mean, you're CPS a, knocking at my door tomorrow. That's right. <laughs> you're in, you're in Arizona. There's like prisons on every corner. You'll still be in the neighborhood. That's true. <laughs> uh, no, that's uh, terrible. Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, they, she, this little girl, it turns out, has been turned and also has no lips. <laughs> and she attacks, uh, Lewis, the husband, uh, and man, she goes to town on his neck, goes to town. And that is one of the innovations, I think, that they really highlight, that we should really highlight, is the stretchy skin 
uh, the stretchy, biteable skin in this movie is incredible. When, when uh, you know, that first bite in the 1978 version is like biting styrofoam. Uh, it's just not as stretchy. They did a great job in this movie. Yeah, it's uh, it's um it's good and gooey. And, it's so yeah, gooey. it's it's glorious stuff. And and the, but, um yeah, Luke, they, and they and they don't hold back. You get no. great effects all the way through. When the girl was chews down on Lewis, it, it is one of the the. I mean, his. I think he plays being attacked like this so well. And when he turns after he sort of bleeds out, and then he comes back and turns, he is crazy scary. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and I think they establish it even just before that when when Anna wakes up and she sees what the girl's doing and knocks her down the hallway. Yeah. And see the girl like leap up to her feet yes. completely in an inhuman way and charge her right there between yeah. that and then when Lewis turns, we know that this is a different zombie movie. Yes, that is absolutely absolutely right. And uh and so, you know, they it, then she she <laughs> She locks herself in the bathroom, and what does she do? She backs up too fast, slips on the mat, and falls down into the porcelain bathtub. <laughs> I have not seen anyone take a hit to the back of the net like that and and not be just totally knocked out. That was crazy. She's tough. She's so tough. Yeah, that had so, to be that had to be. Something uh, like that. And so then anyway. then we have the little shining moment there. And I think that's that yeah. for me is the when he comes the real the scary moment with him because just the way he looks and the way he's reaching through the door is yeah. just his eyes and he comes out with his both hands he comes right through the middle of the door uh and it, he's he's frenetic and terrifying and covered in blood and uh uh, and and I think that's one of the things that I like so much about this scene is that it, one of the pieces that's so terrifying about it is that it it turns on a dime. They are spooning in bed, and then he's trying to eat her. And it happens within about 15 seconds, right? I mean, not quite 15 seconds, maybe a minute. It happens so fast uh, that their relationship is over, and uh, and she is having to, to throw herself out the window. Yeah. It's, and it's and then she throws herself out the window, and it doesn't let up. No, no. She finally gets into the car after seeing, and that's another thing that I like so much about this movie, when she walks out and looks at her suburban neighborhood, and it's in complete disarray. Uh, people are chasing each other. They, they well, arguably... Well, neighbor across the street's threatening to kill her. Right, right. Well, actually, I shouldn't say threatening. He is about to He's kill about her, to kill her when he's only hit by the by the luck of the grace of God, I guess you could say, that an ambulance runs him over. <laughs> Does she escape? <laughs> so she gets out, and then Lewis comes chasing again. He finds yeah. his way out of the house and chases her down the street until brilliantly distracted like a dog uh, and, and runs off and eats somebody else. Somebody who's walked out with yeah. his coffee in his robe to right. get his paper. <laughs> right. Uh, so there are a lot of those little moments and that's a, that's one of those great little, little tiny moments. And then as she's driving away, I think there, there's, you know, you get some of the, they, they do the helicopter shot, tracking shot, right? And, um, they're, they're tracking her on this road and you get to see, you know, all of the ancillary kind of activities that are going on around her. And there is a scene where, you know, a, a truck comes barreling through an intersection right in front of her. And it's so small, it's so small, it's so small. And you think, you know, this is going to be a horrible, huge explosion and it's going to cut right down into this explosion. But it's almost made so much the better when it doesn't. And that little truck just keeps going. They never cut away. They never take their, their, uh, you know, they never take focus off of her car on this road her little corolla 
And yet that truck goes into slams into the gas station and there is that giant explosion, but it's really, really tiny because you're so far away from it. I think that's such a nice touch uh, that that, um, uh, you know, it gives us us that experience of kind of visual contrast that I like so much where we've been close up to the to the horror of the zombie, you know, transformation. And now we just get to see kind of the overview, uh, the little diorama view. Yeah, that's really great. It works. It works really well. And. And it does put you in context of the devastation everywhere mm-hmm. um, in a way uh, different than the news because we see plenty of news as well, like all the news footage going on. I'm always amazed how the news – if any, if this movie is trying to really talk about anything, it's the addiction to media we have and how even the media people are so addicted to making sure they keep <laughs> telling the news that they're right there to the bitter end as, as the newscasters are being attacked by zombies. <laughs> well, that's a, funny, uh, that's a funny thing you mentioned that because I have here in my notes how what a funny contrast it is that we hear on the news that is on the radio – and on the television all around Anna before she's attacked by her husband. Yeah. Uh, we hear all those little clips of them describing what's going on in the world, that there's something happening, right? Well, even when she's at work, it's already right? happening. It's already happening. So it's going on around her, and yet she is totally ignorant of it, right? She's Sean. She's Sean. That's exactly right. And yet when it finally happens and it's happening all around them, all they can do is sit in the mall and watch TV. Those the the you know, the security guards are a great example because now there are zombies outside. They can look outside and see what's going on, and yet they have to they're they have to sit and stare at the TV to get, you know, the television camera view of it, which I think is fascinating. It is. It yeah. really is. Uh okay. Um so, so what else? well, I guess we should talk about uh, one one other actor. We've we've kind of run through a, a number of yeah. them, but somebody else that I think is just great in his one scene, even though it is another character. Character is Matt Frewer, who I just love oh. as the loving father yeah. caricature. He's yeah. he's he's just always great. He's always going to be Max Headroom, but gosh, I just love his moment here, even though he totally looks like a zombie. Before he turns and becomes a zombie, he was he was made for this movie. He really was. I actually would love to have seen him just running around as a zombie. <laughs> He's an interesting guy, and and I think he he brings. Uh, it, it's funny that it, you know it takes probably forty minutes into the film for the for the heart to arrive, and that's the relationship between Frank and his and his daughter uh, as they and and that is the. Um, you know, that's when they, they realize what is going on and Anna comes to terms with the bites and that, that's where they introduce the, the zombie lore that, uh, you know, if you're bit, uh, if you get bit, you, you get zombied. Yeah. Um, and, and so he is the one where they say, you know, we're going to, you got bit, so we're going to have to kill you. Uh, and, and so you get to see their goodbye. Yeah. The goodbye between the father and, and daughter, which I, I think you're right. He's great. So talk talk about Mikai Pfeiffer though, or did you want to say something else about? No, Mikhail? no, I I just think he's fantastic. I, I really enjoy him in this role, as small as it is, it's just great. The uh, the one you were going to talk about though was the um, the birth. Yeah, you know. Okay, so this is a really interesting scene, and I I think what I like about it so much is it creates a fascinating psychological study of a man who is dealing with a pregnant wife 
who happens to have also been bit. And the psychology of him as he tries to deal with how, how, how to handle that, you know, and he, when, when we come back later in the film and we haven't seen his wife for a while and we finally follow him after he gets a, a her a coffee and he goes into the little nursery store that he, they've kind of set up shop in and he goes in and we see that his wife is full on zombie now and he has her strapped down to the bed. And she, I guess she's not full on zombie yet, but she's, she's so close to being zombie. She's like almost zombie. And she, he has her completely strapped down so that he can help the baby be born, even though he knows his wife is going to turn into a zombie. It's, it's horrifying. It's just a horrifying thing. But it's such an interesting psychological study of a character who's, who is in love and is dealing with, you know, becoming a father and all this. And I, I find that one of the most fascinating relationships in this film. And I, it, I think that is a really strong element that we didn't have, uh, that we did have a woman pregnant in the, in the last film, but not in the context of also a zombie. And I, I found that so fascinating in this. And I, I really, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed what they did with that. I did too. And, and uh, you know, then they, you know, they take it that, that next step. You know, all of the, the they, step, they really is, take it to which the, is horrifying and it's interesting because even a father who has a zombie baby because his wife dies and or becomes the zombie the baby is born and it's a zombie baby and yet he still is has it wrapped in its swaddling cloths and is is <laughs> is holding it and uh, you know is a proud father it's it's really and it even kills to protect his wife and baby. He kills not a, only a, does he kill, a, yeah, he kills a non-zombie, kills an actual right. regular person. He kills a normal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that that was a uh, that's a tough scene. That little baby. That's tough. It's pretty creepy. It's pretty creepy. They should have totally done an ultrasound. They can <laughs> they can find that stuff out in utero. Don't they sell that down at the Panasonic stores? <laughs> At home. (laughs) (laughs) This is, uh, that was, uh, yeah, that was good. So let's see, what are the other, uh, the other moments? For me, the big moments were the opening uh, attack by the little girl, the the birth scene, absolutely. Um, The other one for me, I mean, there's lots of great mm -hmm. scenes. And actually, I think the one that terrifies me the most is the parking garage. Walking through it in the dark. Yep. That just, that to me, no matter what always is creepy because that zombie who has no legs but is swinging from the rafters aside from the fact that i always wonder well how did he get up there (laughs) because if he has no legs he can't climb to the rafters right that aside it's just so terrifying it's creepy the idea of being stuck in a parking garage in the dark and having zombies chasing you yeah that was that was a spooky one and i think what they you know as soon as he brings out the the uh you know the gas pump uh you realize they're i mean they're just trapped you can start to see all of them in the in the dark that are just sort of coming out of the dark it's just a a uh really uh well executed uh sequence yeah yeah the other one for me is when they escape the mall and uh you know they're kind of forced to escape the mall mm-hmm. and they get in their reinforced um you know uh Mall buses. Mall buses. <laughs> and we cut to that wide shot as they're driving out of the mall. And we see these vans surrounded 
by zombies and you just see the the buses going so slowly because they're yeah. they can only go so fast as they basically plow people over plow zombies over and you see them kind of rocking up and down and you know that they're just driving over bodies and it's it's a really disturbing scene when you realize how horribly trapped people would be in a real situation like this like even in a reinforced vehicle that can go, you know, they, they break out of that gate to the parking garage, I don't know, going maybe 40, 50 miles an hour or something like that. Yet, even with that, they hit that crowd of zombies and they're slowed down to like a mile an hour, if that. And it's terrifying. I mean, that to me is just, it's the terrifying reality of what it probably would really be like if there happened to be a real zombie apocalypse. Yeah, I think that that gets back to the 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 Romero the aesthetic of sort of zombie aesthetic, right? Hmm. That, um, you know, what's really scary are these things in numbers. And it turns out no matter how they are individually, as soon as you get them in a crowd, they're just as slow right they can't yeah. they can't move all they can do is uh sort of um uh just just sort of uh, what's the word when you what the what 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 a uh, desiccate whatever they're on top of you know and you get right, the feeling yeah. that as as these waves the sort of concentric waves of zombies are, are piling up on those buses that that's what we've been scared of uh all along right and now we've put the 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 cast has sort of put themselves in this situation where you know they're they're going to be uh taken uh, you know and just uh, taken over yeah uh, uh i love the explosion i think the explosion makes a great effect and i think again that that wide shot from above when the when the gas can goes up and you see the wave come out from the center yeah uh is really great yeah it uh, really is yeah uh, and then, uh, you know, the ride to the boat, right? Yeah. Getting all the way to the boat and, and the, the interesting, you know, I, I guess you could say it's, you know, a, a bittersweet, happy ending at the end until the credits start rolling. <laughs> <laughs> and then you realize, oh, there was really oh, no hope to begin with. Movie's no <laughs> over, not, not over. And everybody's still dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, uh, but it's, you know, it's fun. And that's, I think, what makes this film work is because Zack Snyder is a fun filmmaker. He okay. may not be trying to say anything important, but damn if he doesn't know how to make a fun movie. But here's I mean, the thing. Yeah. Can you do you really think that he wasn't saying anything important in the movies that come after? No, I, I'm talking specifically about this. movie. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm with you. OK, um, I'm trying to think what uh, what was the very next film that he did 300. after this? It wasn't Watchmen. No, was it was three three hundred. No, it was three hundred. Oh, it's three hundred. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I I don't think he was trying to say anything with that. Watchmen. I think he was, but I don't know if he was so much as he did. The original authors right. of the graphic novel. Right. Well, and that's the. I think that's the thing. Right. I don't think he was with three hundred. I don't think he necessarily was with Watchmen, but he did. Like the films ended up being more substantial in tone and tenor than than uh, Dawn of the Dead and different in style. And that's one of the things I found so interesting. Right. I mean, his he, the first movie, Dawn of the Dead, Universal Pictures, 300, three years later. And his style as a filmmaker is dramatically different from 300 Watchmen, Legend of the Guardians and Sucker Punch uh, are, are dramatically different in tone and style than Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. 
right? I mean, I just find that really interesting. As a first film, it it you could you, it would be difficult, I think, to watch this film and say that's a that's a Zack Snyder movie, and it's hard not to do that when you watch you know Watchmen and Sucker Punch. Yeah, all of which I I liked very much. I haven't actually seen Legends of the Legend of the Guardians, but uh, it's on I, the list. I liked Legend of the Guardians. I haven't seen Sucker Punch. Oh yeah, I thought Sucker Punch was terrific. It was no. not at all the movie I expected it to be from the trailer. I not even close. It was great, 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 great. Yeah, that you're the only person I've heard who said that. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's high on my list. Uh, and then, of course, the next movies after that uh, in 2013, coming out, The Man of Steel. He is directing, did not write or produce. And then he is writing and producing 300 Rise of an Empire. Yeah. Uh, but not directing. Uh, that was the thing that I found most interesting about Zack Snyder in this movie. It's a great, you're, you're absolutely right. It's a great, fun uh, movie with a lot of really solid gore. Uh, lots of great uh, dismemberment uh, with Chainsaw. Yeah, some terrific, just downright vivisection with Chainsaw on the on the the bus. That's a that I'm I I think it's one of those things for me, like sharp objects on moving vehicles. I have trouble with that. You know, I will say something about the effects. Um, they uh, almost in every case, at least as far as like when they were talking about it. They were using real effects on set. They were not using digital effects. So when that chainsaw goes down into her yeah. and cuts her nearly in half, that is all with a puppet that they created. When when the buses are driving over, like when that when the um, the BP truck, which actually is a, a nice little homage to the original, mm -hmm. is is driving up to the door and it's driving through the parking lot, plowing people over. Those are all dummies out there. And what they did is they actually used a motion control camera to get a shot of the people walking. Right. And then they did it again and they put dummies in there. So when it hit them, they could cut right to the shot of the dummy and they could match it up so that it looked like it was it was actually taking out the real people. But it's all real effects. Even when they blow the head off of Andy, when when Kenneth blows the head off of Andy, that was all with a, a puppet and a giant head. And again, it just goes back to effects looking you know having something special as as gory as they are there's something really special about them when it's not just digital effects right well and i think even still you have to i mean in 2004 there was still a there there was very much more a, a choice right to yeah. be made between practical and digital effects and i think we're seeing less and less of the choice as the years go on I think there's always going to be a choice, though. It's just, you know, is it the ease of, of, of just doing digital and doing it later, or be, or using it because you want it to be as exact as you can, like David Fincher, who has sworn right. off ever using real squibs again because he can plan out every drop of blood going in every direction with any any gunshot wound. But but see, that's or, the point, right? Is that it, what he can achieve now, he could not have achieved in 2004. It makes it more of a choice back then where you actually say, do I want to be part of pushing the, the thing forward knowing that the effect won't be as good? Yeah. Uh, which, you know, would have been a Fincher kind of choice, likely. Or, you know, Zack Snyder going for the, the throwback of just the perfection of the practical effects. Yeah. I'd like to think, I'd like in my heart to believe that there are going to still be people out there doing some practical effects in in the continuing years. And it's not going to be something like film versus uh, digital that is eventually going to die. 
We'll see. We'll I see don't know, where man. things go. Even Newsweek went all digital this week. No more practical Newsweek. Really? Yeah. Interesting. See how I did that? I made a comparison between mass media and movie effects. It was beautiful. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so this movie, uh, like the first one, uh, was a modest budget, did pretty darn well in the box office. Yeah, I see that it cost uh, twenty eight million dollars to to make, and uh, it, yeah, it, you know, actually, I see twenty eight million total budget, fifty five million. So once you add all the yeah the uh, prints and advertising in there, and then worldwide gross, I see uh, just over one hundred and two million. Interestingly, I was reading about um, zombie movies in the box office, and very few of them ever break the hundred million dollar mark. Yeah, worldwide. Only the Resident Evil franchise has. And with the first one, the second one, the third one, I don't have any information on the fourth one. Um, 28 Days Later did not. It got to about almost 83 million. And then Dawn of the Dead broke it and Zombieland. And that's it. Not a lot of zombie films actually break $100 million. Zombieland had big, uh, big names. And it was a zombie comedy. And it was great. It was, it was just a great movie with a lot of wit and d different audience. Yeah. Um, Resident Evil. Yeah. yeah. You, it's it's a video game video game movie. You know. Really, Doom. Please. No. <laughs> what kind of a, what kind of case are you possibly making with that argument? I don't know what kind of case. I'm <laughs> Trump. Uh, uh, I'm sure there's a there's a case to be made, but clearly I'm not the one to make it. Cause, uh, I mean, I've seen I've seen like three of them. I think Resident Evil movies, but yeah. I honestly couldn't tell you the difference between any of those three. <laughs> I you know I they're they're I, they're snack movies for me. I have them all, and I I admit I I sometimes I need me a little Mila, and when I need a little Mila, I put on the Resident Evil because she kicks ass in that movie yes she does she, she does. does anyway uh so that i find that really interesting now if you look at the uh 1978 just in terms of scale of perspective here's what i have found and you correct me if you have something better budget of half a million box office 55 million yeah i i see budget of 1.5 million but uh, either way yeah that's a that's a, a stunning sort of performance for a movie and 1978 uh, a horror movie like this though well, that's you know romero was yeah. really one of the kind of pioneers of uh you know him and john russo when they did uh the original night of the living dead mm -hmm. uh, were kind of pioneering that independent horror filmmaking back then and uh, you know it worked quite well for them and and uh they split up before dawn of the dead but um Romero still used that, and even with 1.5 million, he knew how to make a solid horror yeah. film that uh, made with a, a ton lot of money. Of, with a lot of people, yeah. Uh, so in, in that movie, that was a it was a a lot of extras in that movie. Yes, in there 1978. Um, overall, a good movie. I think it's a, of the series uh, this month. It's I think it's we've we've reached the uh, the lightest of the lightweights of our horror movies, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm very excited about next week. Yeah, me too. The Descent is a, just a great film. Very much looking forward to uh, talking about that one next yeah. week. It's a fascinating and creepy cave a spelunking movie. 
and I just love it. Just a lot of really Very interesting claustrophobic. things. Very claustrophobic. And, uh, and uh, uh, it's, well, we're going to talk about it next week. Very excited about it. Um, where can, uh, are, you, are you finished? I, I, I'm done. Oh, oh, you know what? There's one other interesting little tidbit of information that I, I found. I was watching the, uh, the movie, and I saw in the credits, sure enough, that uh, Heather Langenkamp was in the credits. I'm like, that can't <gasps> be Heather Langenkamp. Nightmare Where? on Elm Street, Heather Where Langenkamp. Where was she? What was she in this movie? She was like a makeup artist or something. What? I know. I had no idea, but she's kind of left the world of acting, uh, which she really hasn't done much, um, you know, in in years. And and she's just done other random things. Like she was, she did special makeup on uh, Cabin in the Woods and Evan Almighty, Cinderella Man. So she was one of the prosthetics production crew on Dawn of the Dead. She and her husband own AFX Studio, a special effects makeup studio in L.A. Years ago, she created and ran the Malibu Gum Factory, now closed, which sold chewing gum packaged with trading cards depicting... Go, go ahead. Guess what they were depicting. Go ahead. Pick anything. Uh, what would you like to see on a trading card in L.A.? Uh, uh, in L.A.? Uh-huh. I'd like to see famous L.A. landmarks. Nope. You're wrong. Give you one more shot. Uh, stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Local surfers. <laughs> there you Chewing go. Chewing gum packaged with trading cards depicting local surfers. Uh, wow. Many elements of the plot for Wes Craven's new nightmare are based on an incident in which Langenkamp was stalked by a fan. That's too bad. <laughs> you don't like that stalking stuff. Heather Langenkamp, man. Yeah, isn't that that's crazy? I was I, I really was surprised when I saw that name, and I'm like, oh, maybe that's her daughter or something. But yeah, lo and behold, wow, yeah, so pretty exciting. Yeah, uh, that's good my one. last little tidbit. I for love this it. One. Where can people find you, Andrew? People can find me over at uh, at at Soda Creek Film and on Twitter and on Facebook, and they can always find me at rashpixel.tv/mwl. That might very well be something different soon. That's I'm right. hoping. That's right. Find me at Pete Wright on the Twitter and uh, obviously at uh, rashpixel.tv slash MWL. And uh, if you check us out on iTunes, we sure hope you will. And when you get there, if you could, if you have a minute and you have a couple of, fair, of, of spare stars, we would love a five-star review and a, a quick rating. And, and uh, let us know you uh, joined us for the show. We, we'd love your comments and, and um, uh, love to know that you shared the horror experience with us this month definitely definitely that's what i got Thanks, well everybody. hey do me a favor man if i ever do get it and become a zombie do me a favor and just shoot me oh yeah you can count on that boom <laughs> <laughs> nailed it <laughs> now now we have our ending <laughs> good night andrew i've been podcasting since 2006 in that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms, but in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM, and it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content, and we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. 
The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash Transistor. Start growing your podcast today.